We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA front office show. Got some things going on around the NBA that we're going to dive into. Keith Smith still out there in the middle of the ocean. Ron Gutterman jumping in with me today. Ron, how are you doing? Doing great. I really hope Keith's enjoying that vacation. And uh, like we said before, I feel like he picked the right week to do it, right? He, he did pick the right. It hasn't been a super eventful week in the NBA. We do have some stuff that we need to get into for today, but it hasn't been a super eventful week. But Keith made a big deal. And we talked about this on the last show that you were on, Ron. He made a big deal about how he was going to disconnect all this stuff. I told you already last show you were on about how he was texting me the morning he was leaving <laughs> from the cruise ship because back, he wanted yeah. me to be his basketball lifeline and, and give him any updates of anything that was going on. Last night, I'm live doing the Lakers Nation podcast, and I get a text from Keith wanting me to tweet out breaking news for him. He's in the middle of the ocean, and he's got a contract signing that he wants to report, and the cruise ship, he doesn't have access to Twitter on, on it, so he needs me to tweet out this breaking news story. I said, Keith, I'll do it, but man, enjoy your vacation. Enjoy your vacation. <laughs> this this is not that deep. <laughs> He said he bought extra internet to to watch the uh, women's national team game. Um, mm. And so he watched that and I guess he got caught up on some news. Anyway, he had something he needed to put out there. But, of course, of course. you know, I just see Keith went into his vacation saying, I'm going to disconnect. I know better. I go into my vacation saying it's not going to be pop. I'm going to wind up staying connected one way or another. Yeah. I mean, when you went when you went on a vacation last year, it was like, you guys are in charge, but also I'm reachable at all times. It was like, well, <laughs> that's not much of a vacation, is it? <laughs> we're going on a vacation in September. And we're actually going on a cruise. And my wife was looking at all the different options for the for the trip, you know, different things, different packages you can get and all that. Yeah. And she goes, okay, I don't want internet. Daughter doesn't want internet. You're going to need the top tier internet, huh? I went, Yep. <laughs> She said, okay. Just throw me on there, yeah. Just, just add it on to the bill. All right. Yeah. Speaking of bills, the Boston Celtics. Oh, my goodness. Jalen Brown the other day gets a massive, massive contract extension. Five years, no options on it. $304 million. Ron, Keith and I have been talking about this a lot that it's more about the percentage of the cap than the actual number, that that prevents sticker shock because the cap is rising and all of that. 
this is still a lot of this is still a lot of money to hear Jalen Brown's going to be getting 70 million in the last year of this deal. Is this just the way the NBA is going and we need to adjust and get comfortable with this? Or do you think the shock that's out there right now is appropriate? You know, I think it's a little bit appropriate. I think when you think supermax, right, you're thinking, you know, the word supers in there, you're thinking superstars, you're thinking guys that are, you know, the best player on a championship team. I think not that Jalen Brown can't get there or won't get there. I don't know that he's there right now. And I think it's just a kind of kind of the situation that this type of contract brings up where it's like, hey, you kind of have to give him the Supermax or you risk losing him. You risk upsetting him if you offer him less and basically tell him we don't believe you're this caliber of player. So it kind of traps the Celtics a little bit. Um Credit to Jalen Brown for making the All-NBA team and getting this money because that's, I mean, for multiple generations, life-changing money for Mm Jalen Brown and his family. So, I mean, credit to him for that. I I think it will, all deals that get signed like this will eventually, hopefully, I mean, he'll still be in his prime when this deal is done. So the, the hope is that with the cap rising, this deal will look better in five years than it does now. Um but yeah, I think there is a little bit of an initial shock that's justified when you see that, you know, the first time in NBA history, a three in front of a a, a nine-digit contract. Yeah, it's just the the nature of the rising cap. Uh, I saw projections out, of, out there of who's going to be the first to get a deal that starts with a four, um, and that being uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander. Somebody projected that would happen. But uh, look, the cap is going to keep going up. And so when you look at just percentage of the cap, and that's the key number... It's not more than any other max contract. It's more than what you, you've paid out in the past. But again, the cap keeps going up because the league as a whole is making more and more money. And as we talked about off air a little bit before we started, there's a new TV deal coming. Um, things are Business is good for the NBA. And so this is a reflection of that. However, you brought up another point that when we hear max, especially when we hear super max, it's this should be a 1A guy on a team that can win a championship. This should be reserved for a handful of players. And that's the way fans hear that, like super max. They hear, oh, this should be this should be LeBron. This should be Kevin Durant. This should be the Nikola Jokic. This should be Giannis. This should be Luka. This should be the top, top, top guys in the NBA period. And that's, and that's it. Anybody else getting it is a mistake, right? But that's not really the way the NBA economy works. The way it actually works is that the top, top, top tier guys, those those guys are actually having their value artificially depressed. And so they're getting less than what their production says that they should. And so it's more that you're getting those guys on a bargain than you're overpaying a guy like Jalen Brown. He's getting probably about what he should in the NBA's economy. But when you find out that, hey, some teams are going to have uh, Luca for essentially the same money for for a max deal, or you can have Jalen Brown for a max deal. You know, there, there's a big difference there, and so that's why I think people look at deals like this and they go, "Oh, what a what a mistake for Boston." I don't think it's so much that Jalen Brown is overpaid. I think it's that the true top tier superstars, and maybe Jalen Brown will get there, like you said. Those guys are underpaid. Yeah, and I think. Um, you know, it, 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 like I said, Boston was kind of put in a tough spot where they, once Jalen Brown became eligible for this, they 
really had no choice but to offer this. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's the price of keeping really good basketball players on your team. And, you know, Jalen Brown's getting a lot of flack for the, you know, no left hand, like those jokes. But like Jalen Brown's a top, I don't know, 20, 25 player in the NBA. Like he's a really, really great basketball player. And like if, if you're if you're talking about the the value of contracts, like is he a max player? I think so. Is he a super max player? That that's harder for me to say. But if you're Boston, you don't have the luxury of telling him you're not a super max mm-hmm. player. You're just a regular max player. Because if Jalen Brown hears that, he's saying, okay, if I'm just a regular max player, then I'm just going to go get a regular max from someone else that's yeah. not you. And yeah, because the Celtics are the only team that could give him that super max. Yeah, and so if the Celtics tell you tell tell Jalen Brown straight up, you're not a super max player. You're only a max player then he has no reason to stick around because if he's a max player, then he's a max player anywhere. He doesn't need to do that in Boston. This is why I think, you know, we talk a lot about unintended consequences in the CBA. You know, the Supermax was created for, for teams to keep their own free agent stars, right? That was the goal, was to not have stars walk away. And so, hey, let's give the incumbent team a massive financial advantage over anybody else. And almost immediately when the Supermax came into existence, we saw the unintended consequence. The Sacramento Kings went, yeah, that's too much money. And they wound up trading Boogie Cousins rather than paying him the Supermax when he became eligible for it. Um, The Celtics were essentially faced with a similar situation here. They could either pay him the Supermax or they could trade him. Because like you said, if they don't give him that Supermax, he's not going to be happy with with that situation. Just like if uh, if they had offered a Supermax and Jalen Brown had turned it down, had said, no, I want to hit free agency next year instead, they would have traded him almost immediately. They would have had to because that would have been a clear sign that he wasn't going to stay in free agency. Had they not offered this, it also would have been a sign that they were not interested in continuing uh, to have him on their team. Now, that being said, recency bias is real. Sometimes we get caught up in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately mindset, and the last thing we saw Jalen Brown do it was shoot eight for 23, one for nine from three, and have eight turnovers in game seven that turned into a blowout loss to the Miami Heat that could have put the Celtics back in the NBA Finals. So given that context as well, and I'm not saying it's right, but that is also weighing heavily on the, the response to this deal. Yeah, and, it, and it's tough for Jalen Brown because I think if you look back at the arc of his career so far, um, he's probably looking at it like, yeah, I didn't play great in that game seven. Yeah, that wasn't my best series. But if you really think about it, Jalen Brown has been the second best player on one of the four best teams in the NBA for almost his entire career because he has been in the conference finals, I believe it's four times at this point. He's been to the finals as the second best player. So, I mean, how many guys in the NBA can you realistically say have been the second best player on one of the four best teams in the league for a half decade. There's not a lot of guys that that description fits. And so, you know, I think Jalen Brown is probably not getting the respect he deserves as a player. Uh, again, we can, we can like squabble over max versus super max. Mm-hmm. I think the Celtics were left with no choice. I think they did what they had to do to lock up their guy. And now it's just a matter of what can you do outside of Jalen and Jason, who is super max eligible next year, probably. <laughs> Um, between Jalen and Jason and now Kristaps Porzingis, uh, what can you do outside of those three guys to build a championship team? 
Yeah, I believe he is already Supermax eligible. Jason Tatum is based on what he did this past season. He already uh, checked that box. But um, according to Bobby Marks, Jason Tatum can get a five-year, $338 million extension, assuming the cap continues to go up 10%, which is what it did this last year and what they're projecting it's going to do next year. That would be almost $650 million locked up in two players for the Boston yeah. Celtics. Yeah, no, that's a big Ooh, number. That's a big that's number. A big number. And, and, you know, that that is the cost of having two very, very good players in a rising cap league. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, the hope is that those two guys who will firmly be in their prime when those two deals are done, you know, in six years when those two deals are, are setting done, they'll be in their prime still. The hope is that with the rising cap, you will look at those numbers and be like, okay, that's not terrible. Like, we're good with that. So last thing, and we're going to talk about the most likely player. That's how we're going to finish the show today. We're going to talk about the most likely players to be traded. Um, That's coming. But let me ask you this, Ron. Jalen Brown, five-year deal with the Boston Celtics. There have been rumors that maybe he wasn't that enamored with Boston. We live in an NBA where you take the money now and you figure out your team later. So at the conclusion of this contract, are the Boston Celtics the team that are paying Jalen Brown at the end of this deal you know like I obviously we don't know but like if you look at recent history of the NBA probably not um and you know whether you know we can discuss whether that's a good thing or bad thing but I mean maybe but probably not because that has been kind of the trend of you know like you said take the money and figure out a trade later Uh, I think this trade kicker like uh, like it says on our on our lovely screen, yep, um, that's where we're that being less than the max of fifteen percent opens that door even more. So I would say it's it's probably unlikely that he finishes this contract as a member of the Celtics, but maybe him and Jason Tatum do kind of take that that next slight elevation into superstardom, and they do they are able to kind of build a team around them, and maybe they they rattle off a championship. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, when you look at uh, the trade kicker piece, that information came out that it's not the full 15%, the most that it's allowed to be. Of all the things to negotiate down if you're Boston, you can't negotiate down off the true Supermax number. You don't negotiate in a team option. A player option doesn't get negotiated in either, so you've got that. But the piece that you do get Jalen Brown to give a little bit of ground on, it's reducing the trade kicker. That's interesting. Is that is that something where you're trying to maybe make sure that you have a little bit, slightly more flexibility in the future to move them, just so it's not you know an added uh, cumbersome element to any kind of a trade that oh my gosh we've got this trade kicker. Sometimes players waive them if they really want you know to go somewhere. But um, just interesting that that was the piece that they were able to get Brown to budge on a little bit. Yeah, it's also possible that the Celtics wanted. I mean, probably not, but it's possible that the Celtics wanted to just show everyone like, hey. We didn't give him everything, okay? We didn't We didn't throw the whole kitchen sink at him. We did hold back a little bit on the straight kicker. Right, right, right. All right, that's enough on the Celtics for the time being. Let's jump over to a Lakers-adjacent story here. The Spurs considered giving Austin Reeves a contract. Contract could have started at about $21 million, according to reports. Uh, I could confirm from my own sourcing that indeed it was the Spurs that were the team that were that were out there to potentially play spoiler with the Lakers and offer Reeves a big contract. Of course, everything that I've also heard is that the Lakers would have matched, regardless of what the Spurs offered. And that's part of why the Spurs didn't offer that much money, um, was because they knew the Lakers would match. 
ultimately, a lot of people were surprised, though, that the Spurs didn't, even knowing the Lakers were going to match anything on Austin Reeves, just to, to mess up the Lakers' cap sheet moving forward, there's a lot of surprise that the Spurs didn't give Austin like a $75, $80 million contract, maybe a $100 million contract offer, whatever it was going to be. They didn't give him some massive off offer and force the Lakers to match that. Instead, allowing the Lakers to keep Austin on what has to be seen as a bargain deal at it's going to fall somewhere between 54 and 56 million over four years. Are you surprised the Spurs didn't go ahead, uh, even knowing the Lakers would match and uh, try to mess with the Lakers? You know, I, I think um, I, I think wanting to mess with the Lakers, I, I do think the Spurs have a little bit of that in them. I mean, historically, they're, they've been almost open about it. Like we we are comfortable messing with the Lakers. But I think in this specific case, doing that um, in the moment messes with them more. Yeah, it messes with the Lakers in the long term, kind of like they're paying Austin 80 million instead of 56 over four years. But I think in the short term, it messes with the Spurs too much as well. Uh, tying up the cap space for 40 or uh, it's like 36 to 48 hours, depending on when in the day it's signed. Um, Especially if they came to terms like Austin came to terms relatively early with the Lakers, but the moratorium still isn't up until July 6th. So even if, even if the Spurs say, Hey, we're going to give you this deal on July 2nd, he can't sign it until the 6th. And then the Lakers have 24 hours off of that. So let's say it's, you know, halfway through the day on the 6th and they've got, to almost the eighth before, you know, the Spurs cap space is truly freed up. So yeah, it's a factor that into essentially if you're the Spurs, you're you're sitting out the remainder of free agency if you do this. Yeah, and, and I think the Spurs probably want the flexibility to do other things. You know, you know the Lakers are gonna match, right? Everything out there is saying the Lakers are gonna match. The Spurs probably know that the Lakers are gonna match. So the Spurs are saying we have like we we have a choice here of messing with the Lakers, but then it it hinders us from doing anything else. And Maybe we want to be a team that takes on a bad contract in the next few days or down the line. And during the season, we want to take on a bad contract. There's no reason for us to get involved in this just to screw over the Lakers. Like, it's fine. Um, so I, I think the Spurs made the right call not eventually offering him this deal. Now, if there was any inkling, like even a 1% chance that the Lakers wouldn't match, then I would change my mind and say, okay, the Spurs should have done this. But I think given what we knew about the Lakers, it, it didn't make sense for the Spurs to get involved. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I still think there were maybe it was wishful thinking from a lot of teams around the NBA that somebody would mess with the Lakers and that it was going to be the Spurs. The Rockets were a team that was initially out there, but once it became known that they were getting Fred Van Vliet, then it was okay that they're, they're not going to be an option anymore. But again, everything we heard for even leading into free agency was it's it's the Spurs or or that's it. You know, it's it's the Spurs or Boston. That's the way it's going to go for Austin, and ultimately it worked out in the Lakers' favor. Austin still got a massive contract, um, but for a while there, it looked like maybe the Spurs would come in and mess with them. But I think they just couldn't get their ducks in a row and get things figured out uh, quickly enough. And when it started to look less likely, Austin Reeves wound up just going back to uh, the Lakers and, and taking the deal they had on the table. Which, by the way, of course, the Lakers, you know, you look at all the different things in terms of a trade kicker, player option, all that kind of stuff. Uh, also worth noting in Jalen Brown's deal as well, he gets paid a big chunk of his money early uh, rather than being on a typical NBA 12-month pay scale. He gets paid on a six-month uh, pay scale. So he gets more money earlier, which just means you know you can invest it, you can earn interest on that money. Um, Austin Reeves got the same thing. Like The Lakers just said, hey, we know this is a bargain of a deal. So what else do you want thrown in? Because anything yeah. that's legal under the CBA, you've got it. 
any any bell bell and whistle that yeah. you could ever want, put it in so that we can offer you this this the max we can offer you. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's finish off the show with this. Who are the players that are most likely to be traded this next season? Ron, you and I have both come up with three players, one including one spicy take here. Players that are likely to be traded. So, uh, Ron, why don't you kick things off? Sure. Uh, I'll kick things off with uh, Evan Fournier of the New York Knicks. Uh, he has two years, about $39 million remaining on his deal, but it's a club option, a team option on the second year. Um, so it's really just the one year, about $18.5 million. Um, he has been wanting out of New York for a long time. Uh, I think there's been kind of mutual interest in a trade, but it hasn't really materialized because, you know, other teams didn't like the contract. There wasn't a good trade out there. But I think there's been mutual interest in this trade happening for uh, probably a year or more now. Um, and I think it's just only a matter of time, especially now that it's effectively an, an expiring deal, um, that there will be a taker at some point this season. Evan Fournier, you know, probably is a little overpaid, but he is still a, a solid shooter. He is, um, you know, a decent sized guard. Uh, so I think I think there are teams that are going to eventually just bite the bullet and trade for him and, and do the expiring contract thing. Um, so, yeah, I think he's. I think he's probably my like most likely number one likely to get traded. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the Knicks have just been waiting to see if there was a bigger deal they could put him in and hasn't come to fruition yet. But at some point, I think Evan Fournier is going to get traded. So good pick there. Uh, I am going to go with... I've got a few different guys I can start with here, but I'm going to say DeAndre Ayton. You know, we've talked about for a while now that... Look, Aiden wasn't too keen on returning to Phoenix last summer, but winds up doing it anyway when the Suns matched that offer that the Pacers gave him. Now I think, look at the Suns roster, and I think they did very well in free agency. I think they did well in, in terms of their limitations. The guys they were able to add are solid. But I still look at this roster and say, man, the, the floor is low for Phoenix. The ceiling is super high. This could wind up being a championship team. But the floor is very low. You get an injury to Bradley Beal. You get an injury to Devin Booker, an injury to Kevin Durant, which, I mean, let's face it, some of those things are fairly likely to happen over the course of the season. These are pretty injury-prone players. So that happens. There is not a lot of depth behind those guys. And I think with that being the case, it makes a lot of sense to take DeAndre Ayton, chop him up into two or three other contracts, just serv serviceable rotation players, guys who are better than veteran minimum players and build out a little bit of depth around those three stars. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially if Frank Vogel can indeed get the best out of him and increase his trade value around the league. I think DeAndre Ayton could very well be playing somewhere else by the trade deadline. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, splitting it up into multiple contracts, like you said, just to give Phoenix some depth. Um, and also, like, like you said, th that relationship mutually has not been good for what feels like a very long time at this mm -hmm. point um so yeah feels inevitable too all right who do you have next all right my next one is uh in a in a similar vein to evan fournier but kyle lowry uh, of of the miami heat um he has one year left he's an expiring contract around 30 million i think it's 29.6 something around there um i think miami is probably looking to use Kyle Lowry as like the big contract in a trade to make a significant improvement. And whether that's Damian Lillard, whether mm -hmm. that's whoever there, you know, could be any of these guys. 
Um, I think Kyle Lowry is kind of going to be the first piece that Miami throws out there in any trade to try and improve their roster. And Kyle Lowry, to me, strikes me at this point in his career as the type of guy who would be the throw-in big contract for this trade, probably an immediate buyout candidate, and probably sign somewhere on a minimum. That feels like the track that Kyle Lowry's on. Um, it's kind of a lesser, to a lesser extent, version of what Russell Westbrook went through, um, mainly because he's Kyle Lowry's not making as much money and is also, uh, you know, probably not, I, I don't know, they're, they're probably similar-ish in terms of what they bring at this point, um, like in terms of talent level. Um, but I think uh, that kind of strikes me as the path that he's on. Yeah, I, I agree. And by the way, we should have I should have noted off the top, we in this exercise forbid ourselves from picking Damian Lillard, from picking James Harden or Pascal Siakam because all three are kind of in fairly high profile trade rumors anyway, with Siakam obviously being a little bit lesser degree. But uh, we decided not to put those guys in. But I think Kyle Lowry, even if it's not a Lillard, Lillard trade, I think Kyle Lowry makes a lot of sense as a guy who could be on the move. Um, I'm going to go, and maybe it's a homer pick here, I'm going to go D'Angelo Russell. I know we're going to hear a million D'Angelo Russell trade rumors between uh, the start of the season and the trade deadline. I just look at, like, I don't think the Lakers signed him specifically to trade him. I think the goal is to um, is for everything to work out. But I also look at the way they negotiated that contract and the fact that they negotiated out uh, D'Lo's ability to block a trade which typically exists under the old CBA it would exist because the NBA would see him as a one-year contract. And if you're trading a player on a one-year contract like this, they would lose their bird rights upon being traded because they'd be losing their bird rights. The player then has the ability to say no, to veto a trade, essentially. Um, it's a de facto no trade clause. So uh, the fact that now under the new CBA, you can negotiate that out and the Lakers took advantage of that tells me that having the flexibility to move D'Angelo Russell is something that's important to them uh, for this this coming season. Now, D'Lo does have a player option for next summer, so that's something to factor in, too. They gave a little bit there, but I think this may wind up becoming a thing where D'Angelo Russell gets moved uh, by the trade deadline, particularly if the Lakers are able to find any kind of major deal. D'Lo's contract, that 17-ish million or so that he's going to make this season, that is going to be an important piece in any kind of trade talks the Lakers are going to get involved in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, and and because the contract is so reasonable for him, like that is very good market value for for D'Angelo Russell as a player. I think a lot of teams would be interested in receiving him back. You know, it's not like he's making twenty eight million. Like there were rumors at one point that he was going to make like twenty five to thirty. Like if he was making mm-hmm. that, it would be harder for teams to talk themselves into him as a positive asset, just like by by himself. But now that he's only at seventeen. Uh, you know, I, I kind of there's an argument to be made that he's a positive like basketball asset. And I think that's that's going to help in in trade talks if the Lakers choose to go that route. Obviously, I like like you said, I think their goal is to build with him as the starting point guard. For sure. For sure. All right. Let's get to your your spicy right. take. I'm going across the hall for this one, and I'm saying Paul George of the Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah. I think Paul George, he is extension eligible this season, similar to Anthony Davis, for those familiar with his situation. Um, But unlike Anthony Davis, I think Paul George is a little less likely to receive that maximum contract extension that I think the Lakers may give Anthony Davis. It seems like the the rumors are heading that way, that the Lakers are going to give Anthony Davis that contract. I don't know that the Clippers are giving Paul George that contract. And if they don't, he now has two years, $95 remaining on his contract. Uh, player option on that second year and it may be time for the Clippers to look into trading him Uh, clearly the Paul George Kawhi Leonard experiment at its peak was championship caliber basketball but we saw that peak for maybe 35 games over the course of the last four seasons Um, and so clearly I think the Clippers have to come to a realization that maybe this didn't work out um, and if they don't give him that that contract extension, I could see very quickly him becoming a, a trade piece. Because look, even though with the availability issues and some of the playoff issues we've seen from Paul George in the past, he's still an elite player, um, and a lot of teams would would want him as a as a piece. So I could see that materializing pretty quickly if they don't give him that contract extension. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be you know it's despite it being called the most underreported story of the summer, like the biggest thing that like, if this was happening with the Lakers, Oh, we'd be hearing a ton about the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George contract extension thing. And I've had multiple media members have called this like the most underreported story. You know how you get to a point where like if a player gets called underrated for long enough, eventually it flips and they become overrated. They're overrated. Yeah. Yeah. It we're, it's like we're trying to make that happen with this story and it just and it's just not happening. <laughs> like people just aren't paying enough attention to this. So what happens with the contract extension talks with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? It's going to be very important. And it's possible that's a path that we wind up heading down as a Paul George trade or maybe Kawhi. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. All right. 
I'm going to finish things off. My spicy pick here. I'm going to say Trey Young. I'm going to say Trey Young. There's There's Ooh. been enough. I know, right? There's been, no, been enough. Yeah. Yeah, you you delivered. You delivered. That's pretty spicy. Uh, there have been yeah, enough rumblings out there about maybe something happening there, about you know, maybe him not being thrilled at Atlanta and stuff like that. Again, nothing concrete. But you look at this Hawks roster, you think about the new CBA coming in, think about whether or not they need to make a deal here uh, in order to to clear up some salary. I think they're they're in okay shape. They're not in bad shape, not in as bad shape as they were before the, the John Collins trade. But this is a new front office group coming in. This is not the group that drafted Trey Young. And so you got to wonder if the right deal comes along, they could truly get the hall of assets they'd be looking for. Do they consider doing it? Especially when you've got DeJounte Murray, who you just gave a new deal to. I know the idea was to put the two of them together, but are we sure that's going to work long-term? Are we sure that's the pairing? Because if not, maybe you you put the ball back into the hands of DeJounte Murray more and you move on from Trey Young and try to pick up pieces and then rebuild from there. I don't know that this Hawks team has it at least to justify their their payroll right now yeah i mean they're dangerously close to the luxury tax for a team that is not guaranteed a top eight spot in the eastern conference next season so i i I could see it going that way if a team says you know what let's let's just throw the kitchen sink at the hawks and see if we can get trey um it would be crazy it would be it would be a a crazy crazy day in the nba if that went down especially in the middle of the season um but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm for it. Now, moving John Collins definitely helped them in yeah. terms of their their cap. So that you know that definitely helps them out. It's it's not the way that it looked you know before, but but nonetheless, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if we started, especially if the Hawks don't get off to a good start. Yeah. If by January we're starting to hear more rumblings about Trey Young and uh, what could happen there. All right, well, Ron, here we are, end of July. We got We still have the big trades out there. James Harden, Damian Lillard. Maybe that stuff will hit us in August. So far, Keith Smith has been just fine on his vacation. Nothing aside yeah. from the Jalen Brown contract. Nothing major, major has happened here. So um, we'll see. Knock on wood. See if he can, if he can de-stress and deconnect or disconnect. But um, but Ron, thanks for coming on here, man. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. I always like speculating trades too. That's a good time. Yeah, it's it, it's a great time, and uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on as as the alternate once again. All right, everybody, make sure that you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office Show on YouTube. Don't forget to turn on those notifications, and of course, over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you follow the show there as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.